Hear the word of the Lord this morning out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 6 and following. So then let us not be like those who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate. And the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other just as in fact you are doing. Uh, this passage, Paul's making a comparison and contrast. He says, there are some people who are sleepwalking. They're just existing. He says, but, but we, you know, we, Christ followers, we are sons of the day. We are children of the light. And, and when you look at this, this text, one thing that this means that is that to live as sons of the light, verse 8, we belong to the day. Therefore, let us be self-controlled. To, to live as children of the light, to live as sons of the day requires preparation, self-control, thinking correctly, living correctly, having your affections in the right place. We must live with preparation because we have an enemy that wants to devour us and we live in a time of much darkness. You, we cannot float into godliness. We have to be self-controlled. Or First Timothy 4, we've got to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. You just don't float there. You, you have to live. You have to think. You have to battle. You have to fight. You have to focus. And that's why in Ephesians 6, Paul says, you know, it says, therefore, verse 10, put on the whole armor of God so, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our, so, so, for, for we, we wrestle not. The word is wrestle. It's, we, we grab, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic forces over this dark time against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So, so you don't just float. You're alert. You're self-controlled. And that's why the church at Laodicea is so interesting. In the book of Revelation, Paul writes, excuse me, the John writes to this church, and he says, you know, church at Laodicea, you're, you're satisfied, you're wealthy, Life is going your way ostensibly, but, but you've forgotten. You've forgotten how desperately you need the grace of the living God. You've forgotten that you're wretched and you're pitiful and you're poor and you're blind and you're without clothing. And so the Lord says to them, I want you to do this. I want you to be zealous and repent. Be zealous. Don't float. Don't become captivated by the world. Be, be zealous and repent. 
And so, in, in, for example, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says this. Start, kind of the paragraph starts in verse 19, where he says, Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupt. Then the application of that is this. He says, you know, the, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy or sound or good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes or what you look upon, what your ambitions are, what your intentions are, if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be flooded with darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You have to fight, brothers and sisters. You have to fight. You have to wrestle. You have to discipline yourself. Since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled. C.S. Lewis, just, Lewis is just quotable all the time. Lewis says this, mere Christianity, I'm going to quote twice this morning. He says, the instrument through which you see God is your whole self. See? And if a man's self is not kept clean and bright, his glimpse of God will be blurred. Like the moon seen through a dirty telescope. That is why horrible nations have horrible religions. They, are, they have been looking at God through a dirty lens. What an incredible statement. There, there's a man I had lunch with last Sunday after church who's in charge of an agency called Frontiers. And their, their goal is to reach Muslims with the gospel of Christ. And he, he, he made this quote. He quoted this to me. And he says, you know, horrible nations are looking at God through a telescope that is not clear. See, our lives, as we look at Christ, should be filled with soundness and, and, and purpose and, and joy. And so, so he says here, he says, you know, let us be self-controlled. And then he goes on the text and I think he gives us, he says, for God did not appoint us, verse 9, to suffer wrath but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. And as I look at the text, I believe that these twin truths feed, feed the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of the hope of our salvation. How, how do you keep the breastplate in this passage of faith and love strong and operative? And how do you have the helmet of salvation securely on your head? Now, I think he answers that in this text. There are two, two truths here. First of all, he says this. Understand, he says, he says, put on the faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Four. See, four. See? Well, why do you put it on? Four. For God did not appoint us to, to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are people who have received, he says, church of Thessalonica, you've received salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. God has appointed you not to receive wrath, but salvation. God has worked in your life in, in his outreaching, sovereign, gracious love. He's loved you forever. 
before time began. He has chosen you in Christ Jesus to be his. He starts off this book, 1 Thessalonians, he says, chapter 1, verse 4, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. This mark of, of God's love and his electing mercy in your life, he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. So what you say, how, do, how do I know that God has worked in my life and that I truly am in him? Well, has the word of God come to you in power with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction? Do you say, this is the word of God. This is the truth. So if I'm to keep faith and love as a breastplate and the helmet of the hope of salvation, I've got to be someone who understands God and his mercy has worked in my life. He's appointed me, not for wrath, but for salvation. And he says in an attendant verse in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 13, he says, but we ought always to thank God for you brothers loved by the Lord. Because from the beginning, God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are a thousand questions about the eternal love of God for his own. But, but, but to me, when I, when I contemplate it, my heart runs to questions, but ultimately my heart runs to doxology. That, that's why Romans 8 is so powerful. Paul talks about those whom he loved, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. He says, and those who predestined, he called, and those he called, he justified, and those he justified, he glorified. And, and it's just like Paul is overcome, and, and he says, what shall we say in response to this love? If God is for us in Christ, then who can be against us? And it's just motivational, it's worship-inducing, it, it is glorious. So, so I've got to grapple with this. I've been appointed not, not to wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. It awakens doxology, I think. And then the second thing he says here, the other twin stream that runs and keeps the breastplate and the helmet of salvation is that he died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. We are with him. We are in him. I have union with Christ. I've been adopted into his family. Live together with him. When I was a young believer, college student, somebody gave me some verses to memorize, which was a wonderful discipline. It's, it's a glorious thing. And, and I remember I, I, I was grappling with what it meant to be a believer, and I, I understood Jesus died on the cross for my sin, and and, I, and somebody just gave me Galatians 2.20. So here, memorize this. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. I just, wow. Stop. Christ lives in me. I have union with Christ. 
if I've come to the cross and if I've forsaken my sin, repentance, I have union with Christ. Wow. If you're Christ's follower, He lives in you. You are with Him. You are, you are in Christ. There's a little, I read this this week, a little statement here by John Piper who comes up with acrostics. I, I like this. He says, I've come up with a new acrostic. He says, my, my mind needs glory. So I set my things, mind to the things above. He says, I need to think on excellent, praiseworthy things. So, so how, how can I live this way? He says, I just have this acrostic and I'll stop throughout the day and I'll go through this. It's this aims, A-I-M-S. It's about union with Christ. He says, it says, A, I call to mind the stupendous truth that Jesus is alive. I, he lives in me. M, he is mighty, mighty to save, mighty to empower. And S, I will savor the sweetness that Jesus is satisfying, gloriously satisfying. If, if I am to put on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of the hope of salvation, I've got to understand and feed my soul with these truths. I have been eternally loved by God, the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And, and secondly, I have union with Christ. I am in Christ. And as I do that, I, I put on this faith, love, and hope. As I do this, I fulfill verse 11. Therefore, I encourage my brothers and sisters. And I, I build them up. I come alongside them. And I, I strengthen them in the faith. And I put on faith, love, and hope. So let's just go through these. Faith. Faith in this context is the walk of faith. Faith is being radically centered on the reality of Christ. Psalm 3 says this beautiful song i lie down and sleep i awake again because the lord sustains me i will not fear though tens of thousands assail me on every side that is a glorious song but the psalmist was writing that anticipating the messiah Longing to see Messiah King. Longing to see the fulfillment of the sacrificial system. And so I step back and I look at, for example, Matthew 10, where Jesus says, even the hairs on your head are numbered. And then he says, fear not, therefore, for you are of greater value than many birds. He just said the two sparrows cannot fall to the ground without the Father's knowledge. Fear not, therefore, you are worth of more value than many birds. And I, I think, you know, if the psalmist said he wouldn't fear if 10,000 surround him and he saw the coming Messiah dimly, how much more should I rejoice in the absolute goodness and mercy that's fully been revealed by God in the face and the work of Jesus? And, and how much more should I trust him and, 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 and walk by faith? Behold the greatness of Christ. And I, I had put in the worship guide this quote from Morning and Evening by Spurgeon. I'm just I'm going to read a good section of it. This is, comes from June the 28th. It's one of my favorite 
statements in Morning and Evening. This great devotional by Charles Spurgeon, the Baptist preacher, and died in 1898 from London. But I'm, I'm, let me just read part of it. I'm going to put some of it on the screen. He says that the, the devil insinuates, quote, your sins are too great for pardon. You have no faith. You do not repent enough. You, you will never be able to continue to the end. You have not the joy of his children. You have such a wavering hold of Jesus. And let me just say this. All those things are true from time to time. Sure. All these are thoughts about yourself. And we shall never find comfort or assurance by looking within. But the Holy Spirit turns our eyes entirely away from self and he tells us that we are nothing but the Christ is all in all. He says, remember therefore, it is not thy hold of Christ that saves thee. It is Christ. It is not your joy in Christ that saves you. It is Christ. It is not even faith in Christ. Though faith is the instrument. It is the blood and merits of Christ. Therefore, look not so much to your hand with which you are grasping Christ as to Christ. Look not to your hope, but to Jesus, the source of your hope. Look not to your faith, but to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. If we would, or look not to, by looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, we shall never find happiness by looking at our prayers, by our doings, or our feelings. It is what Jesus is, not what we are, that gives rest to the soul. And I just read that and go, I go, amen and amen. My hope is on Christ for every one look at my sins, take 25 trips to the cross. Look to Christ. Faith is radically centered on the reality of Christ and what Christ has done for us. His death on the cross for our sins. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, therefore, let me just say this. This may be a kind of a strange application. But let us be radically Christ-centered. I mean, just read the Bible. Therefore, example. When you get together with your family, and um, it's a holiday. We just had a holiday. It's called the 4th of July. And you're, quote, religious. So they ask you to pray the prayer. Do not pray a generic prayer that a Baha'i could pray or a Mormon could pray or a civic American could pray. You know the prayers. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the watermelon and the potato salad. Thank you for the fireworks in an hour and a half. Amen. Big whoop. Seriously. If you're bought by the blood of Jesus, Father, I come to you in the name of my mediator, Christ. The eternal God who died on the cross for my sin. And I thank you for this day. Thank you for my family. Lord, thank you for the potato salad and watermelon. Thank you for this great celebration. But thank you for your goodness to us in the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. See that? There's a difference. Difference. We need to be radically Christ-centered. See, faith in Christ 
faith in his work, faith in the means. Secondly, he says, love. Put on faith and love as a breastplate. He's already said in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 9 and 10, Now about brotherly love, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all the brothers throughout Macedonia, yet we urge you, brothers, to do so more and more. He says, you're loving, but do it more and more. I, 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 I read this and I ask myself, self, what, what feeds love? Sure, do it more. What feeds love? What, what feeds the love of Christ and, and, and loving people? Here, here's, here's my answer. Number one is, I've got to contemplate and understand the greatness of, of the work of Christ upon the cross. I must sing the cross. I must memorize the cross. I must preach the cross. I must glory in the cross. And as I do that, I've got to consistently deal with the fact that he saved me in my sin and from my sin. And I, 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 I have to deal with constantly the fact that apart from the grace of Christ, I'm unhinged. That, that, that it's only the mercy of Christ in my life. Reading a biography of Augustine. Augustine died in 430, one of the great teachers of the church. Augustine became a believer 31, 32. Five years later, four years later, he's appointed to be a priest, a leader, a pastor. And, and, and he's, he's brilliant. He has a double PhD. He's, anyway, he goes to his first church, if you will, first ministry. And, and, this biographer says this, a guy named Peter Brown. He says, Augustine wrote a desperate letter to his bishop, Valerius, begging for some time to retire to study the scriptures and not be in active ministry. He did not do this to equip himself as a theologian. He'd studied hard for numerous years. That, his biographer says, this was not, this was unnecessary. What he needed now, according to the letter, was to apply, quote, medicine to my soul, close quote. The letter is all the more poignant for having been written some short time after he had thrown himself enthusiastically into his ministry. The experience had come to him as a galling revelation of his own limitations. And so he writes, quote, I find it far, far more than I had thought. I just had not known my powers, bracket, my dark side, my my struggles, my limitations. I still thought they counted for something, but the Lord laughed me to scorn and by real experience wished to show me to myself. Doesn't life do that to you? Doesn't life show you to yourself? And the need for the Savior. Now, that, that's, why, that's why Christ says this. He says, you know, first take the log out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. You're responsible for your brothers and sisters. But first, he says, take the log out. We've got, we've got logs. Take the plank out. Then... Then you'll see clearly to help your brothers and sisters. But you walk with a keen understanding that we have planks and logs. Or this in Galatians 6. Brothers, if anyone 
is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, go and restore him with the spirit of gentleness. See? Gentleness. Why a spirit of gentleness? Next, next clause. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. In other words, you, do it, you live with the spirit of gentleness because you say, Lord, apart from your grace, I could go there. Faith, love. And then he says this, and the helmet of the hope of our salvation. Hope. Hope. The hope that the best is yet to be, the hope that heaven awaits, the hope that glory is glorious. There's a movie called The Shawshank Redemption. And in the movie, there's a man who's in prison falsely, and he's inside an inner room. And he locks the door when the guard is out, and he turns on the PA system throughout the prison, and he plays an aria from an Italian opera. And in the movie, the bottom screen, all the men just stop. And they're transfixed by the beauty of the opera. Now, I don't think that would necessarily happen in most prisons, but in, in the movie it did. But then there's Morgan Freeman plays a man called, named Red, and he does a wonderful job. But, but he talks about what happened as this aria is played, this opera. This is what he says. I have no idea to this day what those two Italian ladies were singing about. Truth is, I don't want to know. Some things are best left unsaid. I'd like to think they were singing about something so beautiful it can't be expressed in words and makes your heart ache because of it. I tell you, those voices soared higher and farther than anybody in a gray place dares to dream. It was like some beautiful bird flapped into our drab little cage and made those walls dissolve away. And for the briefest of moments... Every last man in Shawshank prison felt free. For the briefest of moments. Transfixed with beauty. There's a German word for that. I'm going to mispronounce it so you guys correct me afterwards. But it's sinschut. It means the heart's longing. The heart's longing for ultimate reality. The heart's longing for something. You, you taste beauty, and as soon as you taste it for a free, brief moment, you say, I, I, I want a deeper experience. I want a deeper experience. And, and theologians have said, God has placed that longing in our hearts that can never be satisfied this, this side of heaven. And as Romans 8 says, we, we groan, longing to be clothed in eternity. The, the, the hope, see, the hope is this, that, that heaven awaits and, and therefore you, you live that way. I, for the briefest of moments, I, I thought, you know, I, there, was, there was a time, you know, you, you just taste beauty for free, brief moments and your heart cries out more and the more is in heaven. For example, I, I was in middle school, and I just don't forget this. I was in middle school. My parents took me to a walk-in movie. We didn't do that very often. And, and it was a movie about 
I forgot what it was about, but, but in the midst of the movie, there was um, a scene of a rippling river, and it played a, a sonata by a Norwegian named Edvard Grieg. And it was so beautiful. I was a middle schooler, for heaven's sake. It was so beautiful. I just stopped and I said, more. More. For the briefest of moments. And then I remember when I was 25, I heard, this, I love music. I heard um, Rachmaninoff's theme on Paganini. I was in a, and I just, I just stopped and I said, that is beauty. That's beauty. And I remember at age, I, I, I was 25, I'd, I'd never been, I'd never seen the Rockies before. I grew up in the foothills of the, of the Smokies. I love the Smoky Mountains. And they're beautiful. But I, I remember walk, backpacking and seeing the Rockies and saying, now these are mountains. You know, wow. And for the briefest of moments, I, I was just transfixed and my heart cried out, more, oh God, more. And the more is in glory, brothers and sisters. We taste it. Like the old hymn says, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. The, 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 the glory, the wonder that awaits. And, and, and that's why when we get together, again, Lewis says, I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, which I shall not find till after death. I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main object of my life to press on to that country and to help others to do the same. Don't let it get snowed under. As you contemplate the eternal love of God, and your union with Christ, feed your spirit so that you have the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of the hope of your salvation. I, I read this recently in, um, a guy named Larry Hagman. Now, if, if you're my age, around my age, when I was in fifth and sixth grade, there was a show called I Dream of Genie. And every fifth grade boy in America wanted to grow up and be Larry Hagman, you know. <laughs> that was really a punch. Then he went on and started in a show called Dallas. Um, and he's, he's, he's uh, 80 years old. And this is, he said that um, in his early in his life, he experimented with LSD and heroin. And then this is what he says. He just gave an interview. He says, um, he said, I, one day I was on an acid trip with rocker David Crosby. And he claims that he saw his body's molecular structure during that first trip. Quote, some cells were dying and some were being reborn, says the Dallas Star, age 80. Quote, I realized we don't disappear when we die. We're always a part of a curtain of energy. That insight led him to adopt a new motto, quote, don't worry, be happy, feel good, close quote. It's strange to me. The actor took several more trips, but cannabis slowly became his indulgence of choice. Quote, it was fun, and I never had a hangover. When he eventually dies, Hagman says he wants his body to be ground up and, quote, 
spread over a field and have marijuana and wheat planted and harvest it in a couple of years and make a big marijuana cake, people would love to eat a little Larry, close quote. When I read that, I thought, wow, 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 in this regard. Now, when you're 80, you see the finish line. You know what I mean? You're, 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 you're getting ready to hit the tape pretty soon, probably. And you think that when you're 80, you'll be serious about this, about, about eternity, about death. You wouldn't... It's, it's, that, that's where a lot of people live. See, part of the teaching of the Bible is that when you continually harden your heart... There comes a time, almost, we never know when this happens, but you become so hard, you become impervious to truth. Don't do that. Don't be an old octogenarian and talk about sowing a a field with your ashes and wheat and marijuana and so people can eat you and that you received insight because we're all some type of curtain of energy. Good grief. Weep for people like that. I mean, live with the rock rib reality of Christ, glory in the cross, and exhort your friends to look to Jesus. My time is going to listen. It's all about Christ. I was talking to a guy the other day. Just, just, we've talked several times. He doesn't go to church here. And so, uh, he says he's a follower of Christ, shared a good bit. And then we're talking about, he's talking about his granddaddy. And he said, my granddaddy was a saint. Stop, we're all saints, okay? If you're a believer, you're a saint. So just congratulations, you're in the saint club. He said, my, my granddaddy was a saint, which I understand what he was saying. He's, and then as we were going out the door, and we're going our separate ways, and I, I, I couldn't respond because I had to be... He said, you know, if anybody ever deserved to go to heaven, it was my granddaddy. And I thought, hello? You just denied the gospel. Nobody deserves to go to heaven. Please, get that right. It's only Christ. All of sin and come short of the glory of God, not by a millimeter, but by light years. It's only Christ. Christ. So, so understand that and let that love and, and that union with Him feed and sharpen and polish the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of the hope of our salvation. The radical reality of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, for this day, we are so thankful uh, for this, the privilege of studying the Word of God and looking at it, and turning it upside down. I I pray you'd make application to our hearts to be the people of God that you've called us to be, Lord. May we glory in our salvation. May we stand in awe and wonder of our union with you, Jesus, by the power of the Spirit. And because of that, may we polish the breastplate of radically looking to Christ and radically loving people 
and may we have the hope of our salvation. As we get older and life doesn't deliver at times, and as we experience cancer and body aches and pains and the death of loved ones, thank you that we can say in all earnestness, the best is yet to be if we've trusted in Jesus. Thank you that you have appointed us not to wrath, but to receive salvation. Uh, We pray that for our friends and our neighbors. Oh God, visit them with the greatness of Christ in whose name we pray. Amen.